Today's the first Sunday of Advent, and that's traditionally the Sunday of hope. And the scripture today is one of the Psalms that says, I was glad when they said unto me, what does it say? Let us go into the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I was glad? Really? When I was a kid, I'll be honest, when mom or dad said, we're going to church today, I was not always glad. Especially if we were on vacation. Do we have to go to church today? Maybe some of you feel that way now. <laughs> hey, are we going to go to church this week? I mean, it's Thanksgiving weekend. Oh, I don't know. I guess we should. I mean, I guess we ought to go. And maybe, hopefully, after you go to church, you're glad that you went if the sermon is not too long and the music is good. But that's sort of like going to exercise or going to get your teeth cleaned. You know what I mean? You're glad you went, but are you really glad when someone says to you, hey, let's get up at 5 a.m. tomorrow and run 10 miles in the cold? No. You're supposed to do it, but are you, do you, are you glad? Or are you glad when you get a text message that says, be reminded, you have your six-month dental appointment to have your teeth cleaned. Are you glad when they said unto you, let's go to the dentist? Even though afterwards, hopefully, you're glad that you went, right? Are you glad when someone says, hey, let's go to church? When I was a kid, I didn't always want to go. But as you get older, you realize that life can be hard. And you start looking for answers. Life can be so rough that it can make you want to go to church. This week, like Friday, I got a text message from a dear friend of mine who has had a particularly terrible week. He asked what I was doing, and I told him I was trying to write a 12-minute sermon. I said, I'm really good at writing 30-minute sermons. That's easy for me. I can even write a 35-minute sermon. But whittling them down to something shorter when it's Advent and communion and all of that, that's not so easy. And he told me, hey, you've already got a great message this week. Just talk about me. A sermon on regret, humiliation, dishonesty, and unfaithfulness. That's what he texted me. Like I said, my friend has had a bad week. Chances are... He will be wanting to go to the house of the Lord today. Looking for answers, looking for direction, looking for forgiveness and hope. Today, as I said, begins a season of Advent. Four Sundays leading up to Christmas. And today, hope. Thoreau said, The mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. Quiet desperation. Most of us, if we were to pause even for a moment and stop chasing whatever it is we're chasing, would see how very desperate we are. 
how desperately we long for hope in this life. Most of us do indeed lead lives of quiet desperation. But deep down, what we're desperate for is we're desperate for our lives to be heading somewhere. For them to have meaning. For our lives to be pointed towards something good. You see, we're all desperate in this life, and we are without hope unless we turn to God. Why is life so difficult, even when we're trying? Even when we're trying our best? Lately, I've had not just my friend who texted me, I've had many, many friends and loved ones who were going through serious relationship turmoil, and it's painful. How do we navigate this life with joy? How do we not just get through the holidays, but actually enjoy them? How do we avoid the pitfalls and traps of life that we know can trip us up, bringing pain and harm to friendships, to family relationships, and to our own souls? Like my friend who feels his life right now is a sermon on regret. Many of us are going through rough times. Some of it of our own making. Some of it handed to us by others. And what we're looking for maybe is a path that leads us out of that stuff. Out of pain. Out of humiliation. Out of stress. Out of guilt. Out of regret. But how do we find it? The answer is right here in the middle of the Bible. In the book of Psalms, there are a series of Psalms that you may not know this. Beginning with Psalm 120, there are, I think there are 14 of them, 16. There's, they're called the Psalms of Ascent, as in going up. Because when you go to Jerusalem, you are going up. And the people, King David wrote these as worship songs for people who are not in Jerusalem. But when they come home, these would be their songs of worship and praise to prepare them to worship aright, to know God aright. These are the songs that the community would sing together as they go up to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem in the Hebrew consciousness is not just a place, but an idea. Jerusalem is not just a place, it's an idea. It is the idea that God is at the center, that God is king, and that when we all live under God's rule, we will live in shalom with one another. So that's what it means to be going to Zion or going to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the idea that God, is that God really is King of kings and Lord of lords, regardless of what we may feel about that. So I want to invite you to stand as you are able for the reading of God's holy word found in the book of Psalms. We're going to do Psalm 122 today, and I would just enjoy you reading it aloud as the community might have sung it. We won't sing it today, but let's say it together. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. 
Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. Their thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Pretty good job reading. I don't know if you would qualify for a, a real pilgrimage just yet. I think some of you yelled louder for your football team yesterday. But that's okay. I'm not judging. I'm not judging. Just a little half-hearted on the Psalms there. Okay. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. This song of praise begins in isolation, but ends in community. It begins as an I, but quickly shifts to an us. Are you tracking with that? So imagine if you're out there in Galilee, out there in the countryside of Israel, and you're alone in your house watching Netflix, and, I'm sorry, no, probably knitting or something, carving on a piece of wood, and, and someone knocks at the door, a friend or a family comes by and said, hey, let's go to the house of the Lord. And so then that person would say, I was glad when they said unto me, I was glad when they said to me, let us go. The I and the me, a person in isolation is glad when the community says, join us. Join us. We are called out of isolation and into community to join with one another along a joyful pilgrimage, where? To the heart of God. To live in God's house. Oh, by the way, the Greek word for house, oikon, is the root word for our word economy. So to live in God's house is related to a way of saying to live in God's economy. What would it be like if we lived in God's house? If God was really the Lord. I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to God's house. When I was in the seventh grade, I became involved with a Christian club in the schools called Y Club. Have you heard of Y Club? It's where I learned to exercise my faith in a more real and public way. In the eighth grade, at a Christian Life Conference held by the Y Club at Epworth-by-the-Sea, I responded to the gospel and professed my desire to be saved. 
to have Jesus come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. It was a real turning point for me. And then I came home and I, I became the chaplain of the Y Club and I stepped up as a leader in my youth group at church. But around the same time, I also began to fall more and more into temptation. In the ninth grade, and especially in the tenth grade, my passion for God began to cool and my love for sin increased. I still went through the motions at church, but I backed off my involvement at Y Club. Well, then early in the fall of my junior year, I got a phone call at home. Kids, this was before cell phones. We had these things called telephones at home with buttons on them, and they had a cord that plugged into the wall. I got a, my phone rang at home, and I answered the phone. And on it was a man named Jim Collins, who was the regional director of the Y Club for the southeastern part of the state of Georgia. He had invested in me in the 8th grade and the ninth grade, but he hadn't seen much of me in the 10th grade. He was calling to personally invite me to a new fall conference he was doing. It was to be at Epworth by the Sea. It was going to be smaller. Only one or two students per school would be allowed to come. It would be more intense, more spiritually focused, and it was meant to be only for leaders. He was speaking my language, right? He asked me to come. I was all in. I went. The conference was called Seagull, and it was a life-changing event for me. I heard talks on following Jesus that were far more challenging than anything I'd heard prior. I saw students my own age who were leading the conference, who were taking seriously following Jesus right where they were, right in high school. They weren't waiting till they were older. They were committed to Jesus now. And I know without a doubt that attending that conference changed my heart in the 11th grade year. In fact, that whole year was a year that God worked in my life. I still struggled with sin, but my, that spring of that year, I had another profound spiritual experience where I knew God was calling me to be a pastor. God was at work in my life that whole year, but I know it began with one man picking up the phone and saying to me in so many words, Tom, I want to invite you to return to the house of the Lord. What he said was, I want you to come to a new Christian retreat I'm doing this fall at Epworth. But you know what? Even though at that time I was sinning, I was running from God, and guess here's the thing. I didn't really want to get right with God. But when Jim Collins called me that day, guess what? I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Years later, God indeed had led me through ups and downs, and lo and behold, I became a pastor of a church. My first church where Shelly and I served was Alpha United Methodist Church in Bloomingdale, Georgia. When I moved there, they had this woman named Janice who worked three days a week in the church office. Janice is a sweet woman, but a tough woman. I'm scared of Janice a little bit. When I met Janice, I asked her about her life, and she said she was married, but she said, don't bother trying to get my husband to come to church. He likes his beer. I said, well, that's fine. I, I mean, 
you can drink beer and come to church, you know. I mean, I tried to say something disarming of, of that sort, but she said, don't bother trying to get him to come. I think I may have shared Larry's story with you before. It's one of my favorites. He ended up coming to church at Alpha on Easter Sunday that first year I was there. And, and God is a God thing. God, God just totally transformed his life. He became a volunteer in the children's ministry. Then he was lay leader. Then he was preaching in my stead when I was away. And now he is the pastor of Morgan's Chapel United Methodist Church down in Shelman Bluff. And if you're down at the coast fishing, you need to go to church at Morgan's Chapel and tell Larry that I said, hey, he's one of the most on-fire preachers I've ever heard. Everybody at Alpha, my last church, knows Larry's story. It's amazing. It's incredible. We all love it. But here is something a lot of people don't know. Larry's life was changed in part by a man named Brian Errett. Brian is about the same age as Larry, and his wife also works in the office at Alpha three days a week. Uh, Brian, he's just a good man, uh, hard-working guy, decent, honorable. He and his wife, Susan, have five children, uh, and they've been active at Alpha for years. Brian runs the sound. What up, Cal? Uh, sound guy illustration here. Brian runs the sound every week, and he builds the PowerPoint for worship every Sunday. He never wants to be up front. He has no interest in teaching or preaching or leading the singing, but he loves to work behind the scenes. At one point in Larry's wild spiritual journey, Larry ended up feeling led to go on a walk to Emmaus weekend. Some of you have heard of that, maybe been on one. I was Larry's sponsor for the walk, which meant part of my job was to collect letters of support that Larry would get on the weekend, letters from family and friends and church members. I will never forget the letter that Brian Errett wrote to Larry Strickland. Again, Brian, quiet, humble guy, behind-the-scenes guy. Brian said this in his letter, and Larry and Brian have given me permission to share this. Brian said in his letter, years ago, when I'd be in the back running sound, I began to be burdened for all of what I began to call the missing spouses. We had several families who were involved at the church, but, one, but for one reason or another, one of their spouses wasn't really connected in a meaningful way. Brian wrote in his letter that years earlier, he committed to pray every day for the missing spouses by name. One of them he prayed for was Larry. Brian was praying for years for a man who even Larry's own wife said, don't bother trying to get my husband to come to church. But Larry did come to church. And I deeply believe part of the invitation that Larry received to come back to God was through quiet, faithful prayers of Brian Errett. I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Students, students, I know there's not a ton of you here this morning, but we have a few. Students, you never know how much simply inviting a friend or a classmate to go to church or to youth group or to college group or Wednesday Night Live may radically change their life forever. I don't want to think about where my life would be if Jim Collins had not picked up the phone and called me at home 
in the fall of my junior year. I was stuck, and I was heading in the wrong direction, and he reached out to me. Students, I'm telling you, you know people who need for you to say in your own words, let's go to the house of the Lord. They might snicker, they might shrug, they might But I promise you, deep down, they will be glad. They will be glad. I was glad. They will be glad that you said to them, I would love for you to come with me to my church sometime. Empty nesters and retired folks. I know we don't have many here today. I'm sorry. (laughs) Empty nesters and retired folks. Do Do you know what age group of people is far Far and away, the most frequent first-time visitors we have at Byron United Methodist Church. It ain't young people, and it's not married with young kids getting back to church. It's not. I, I, I have the data. Far and away, the most, the most common first-time guests we have at this church are people in the second half of life. You, you might not think that, but it's true. And many of them have a long life ahead of them still. They're in their 50s or 60s or 70s, but they're, they're, going, they're not done. There are lots of people who are moving to Middle Georgia in retirement for a variety of reasons, maybe to be closer to family, and they are searching for a spiritual home. They want to come out of isolation into community. They want to stop being an I-me, and they want to be us. And they may not even be aware of how badly they need someone to say to them, let's go to the house of the Lord. Just ask Lana Spence. Amen? Lana is a part of our church. Lana moved to Byron on May 17, 2017. Shortly thereafter, she was at Best Buy and ran into Sue Atkins. Am I lying? Nope, right? They didn't know each other. They struck up a conversation, and Sue invited Lana to church. Lana visited our church in June of 2017, and she's been coming ever since. Lana is an awesome woman. I'm so glad to know her. And I'm so thankful that Sue simply said to her, let us go into the house of the Lord. (laughs) Or, Or whatever, however we say it, right? People, there are thousands of people in middle Georgia just like Lana Maybe they've just moved to town, maybe they've been here for years, but spiritually they are walking alone. And they need to come out of isolation and into community. But you know what they need? They need an invitation. They need someone to say to them, let's go to the house of the Lord. You and I, I love all of you, you and I are on a spiritual pilgrimage, all of us. Some of you are doing cartwheels on your spiritual pilgrimage. You're kicking uh, uh, you're doing well. Uh, some of you are trudging a little bit. Some of you are shuffling your feet on your pilgrimage. Fine. But you know what? We're all on the journey together. Whether you're doing cartwheels or shuffling your feet, you're on the pilgrimage. We're marching to Zion together. But there are others in Byron and in Middle Georgia who are at home watching TV right now. And they are empty. And they are bored out of their mind. And while we are marching to Zion, all we have to do is pause and turn to the side and go and knock on their door 
or shoot them a text message and in our own words say, hey, um, I'm going to church this Sunday. You want to come with? Some might slam the door in our face. Some may say, no thanks. But surely some will say, I was so glad when you said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Who are you praying for? I want to challenge you to write down today three names of people that God brings to mind that you know may be in isolation and needing community. Who are three people? Who is God laying on your heart? Who next year, this time, next year, first Sunday of Advent, who will be here on the pilgrimage with us because you decided to pray for them like Brian Eric, And you decided to invest in them. And you decided to invite them to join you on pilgrimage to follow Jesus into the heart of God. Amen. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit give you hope this week and always. Amen.